It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Wednesday, April 19th, 2023. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. Sitka celebrated its fourth annual Ya Kuik, or herring ceremony, last Saturday. The ceremony honors the role of herring in the way of the life of the Klinket people. The event included stories performed in Klinket and English, distribution of gifts and blankets, and traditional song and dance. KCAW's Meredith Reddick attended the event and returned with this audio postcard. The doors of Akahit, the Point House, are open. The doors of Kahachahit, Jumping Herring House or Shattering House, are open. Can you tell me your name? Bob Sam. I grew up here in Sitka, in the village of Sitka. We used to have a week in the village in the clan houses and when my father passed away we had a week in the clan house in the village in 1964. What's so incredible now is our young people are, are picking it up and taking it into the future. But what's more incredible is they're wearing their regalia in their everyday life. And I dreamed of this. Yolanda. Um, my favorite part is watching the elders, um, you know, reconnect with culture that they may not have participated in for a long time. So seeing the joy in their faces and knowing that we're continuing to to perpetuate our traditions in the way that they um, approve of and encourage and are grateful for. <laughs> They were amazed. No one had come near his daughter. Um, what was that? What? Oh, he was. What happened? Gaudeya kanda hitwe tokadi ye kakwa uwu. Aka chash hit away with the yech. Gank. That was KCAW reporter Meredith Reddick attending Sitka's fourth annual Ya Kuik, or herring ceremony, last weekend at Harrigan Centennial Hall. You can see photos from the event at our website, kcaw.org. Ketchikan's Borough Assembly pushed forward with a plan to require owners of short-term rentals, like Airbnbs, to get a zoning permit. It's part of a push to try to glean more information about the property's impact on the local housing market. But as KRBD's Regan Miller reports, a split vote by the Assembly stripped out a requirement that property owners renew their permits every year. Ketchikan's Borough Assembly is moving forward with a new plan for short-term rental permits, but made a few changes to the concept proposed by borough officials. That included removing what the borough's top land-use official pitched as a key component of the plan, annual renewals. 
Borough Planning Director Richard Harney told the Assembly that the proposal is meant to shine a light on the ways that short-term or vacation rentals might be affecting the local housing market. He says it's not a bid to shut down the properties and wouldn't cost the owners any money. We want to still allow them. We want to have that economic um, uh, engine. We want to have be that destination, that host community. We want them to be here, but we also want to <coughs> be able to provide for our citizens and our residents. He says he included the renewal requirement to make sure policymakers have the most up-to-date picture of how many vacation rentals are active in Ketchikan each year. Annual permit renewals are required to provide a tool for monitoring the number of dwellings being used as vacation rentals. Assemblymember Austin Otos said he supported the concept. I think getting the short-term rentals uh, defined and permitted helping the, uh, helps the, uh, the planning process for the borough. Um, I, I think if we do nothing, I'm afraid that uh, short-term rentals will be kind of like a scapegoat um, for our degrading housing conditions. I don't want to end up with the situation that Sitka had um, where they put some fairly uh, strict restrictions on um, short-term rentals. So that's why I'll be supporting this. So. Sitka passed stricter rules for short-term rentals last summer after seeing the number of short-term rentals applying for permits skyrocket. There are some neighborhoods where those kinds of rentals just aren't allowed, some where the city needs to approve an application, and others where no permit is necessary. Juno officials have been looking into how these rentals could be tightening the housing market. But some assembly members said requiring owners to re-register their properties every year was an unfair burden. Glenn Thompson opposed annual renewals, just as he did when the borough considered the issue last year. You know, I think this is, a, this is an onerous requirement to, uh, to require somebody to come and kiss the ring every year. Um, that's my, been my whole problem with this all along. Jamie Palmer suggested that there may be other ways to get the same information, like through third-party monitoring of these properties. Harney, the planning director, says that requires money and a contract, while the permits would not require any additional borough spending. But borough officials see the value in yearly renewals. They say it's a key part of tracking these short-term rentals. And Harney says it will also help shine a light on whether short-term rental owners are paying the appropriate taxes. It does limit um, the, the ability of the planning department to track these things over time. The assembly was split 3-3 on amending the plan, with Borough Mayor Rodney Dial breaking the tie by voting in favor of the changes. The amended plan is scheduled to come back for a public hearing on May 1st. Reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Regan Miller. Most Juno commuters, like Tony Schulte, have probably noticed the remains of two wooden houses just off Glacier Highway on the north side of the Brotherhood Bridge. KTOO's Yvonne Crumry has their story for this episode of Curious Juno. The houses are tucked in a grove of trees with some small evergreens sprouting up inside them. A few years ago, someone posted a photo of the houses on Facebook with the caption, Perfect Airbnb, Mostly Air. Elizabeth Kokefile replied in the comments that that was her childhood home. She's lived in the Mendenhall Valley since she was born in 1935. Her grandparents, the Petersons, built this house in 1907 and started a dairy farm. We are looking at a photo of the farm from the 1930s when File was a young child. The first five years of my life, I, I uh, lived in that house. And um, this now is me playing right out here where we're sitting. And there's the hill. There's the hill, see. She says her dad would row across the river each day when he was a kid to get to school and back. Her grandmother, Jensine Peterson, helped make sure the school stayed open in its early days. There's a story about her grandmother rescuing an engineer who was sick with pneumonia. When he asked how he could repair, she asked for a bridge over the Mendenhall River. 
But he said, once they put a bridge in, he said, no matter how small it is, he said, they, they will always replace the bridge if something happens to the bridge that they'll build for you. And that's, that's what happened. This is about the third bridge we had put in here since. There were a lot of dairy farms in Juneau in the 1900s. Most of them were out in the valley, like Files Family Farm. They were started by homesteaders and then sold as businesses. Files says she drives past the slowly collapsing ruins of her childhood home almost every day. I'm surprised it it's continues to stand. I'm expecting someday when I go to church on my way home that that building is not going to be standing much longer. Gino's last dairy closed in 1965. I mean, this just is, is not great dairy country. Richard Karstensen has researched Juno's dairy history. You know, we might look back on those families romantically, and they were very much can-do people who you know, um, provided for themselves, but they were part of a generation who just came in and shoved aside the original inhabitants. He says the area's colonial history is something he's become more aware of lately, and it shapes the way he understands the past. Those early homestead claims and realizing that they just plopped right down on the most important of the um, old village sites and, and fish camps. And uh, everybody wants the same real estate. <laughs> so there was a, a lot of shoving aside of Clinket culture going on then. But he says the industry played an important role at a time when it was harder to get meat and dairy from outside. And the farm families pioneered the infrastructure in the area, like schools and bridges. In, in spite of all my reservations about the dairy industry, I, I feel like it's really worth understanding because it, um, there's got to be some nuggets in there that are valuable to anyone trying to think about rational ways to live here and take care of ourselves and, and not exhaust the country in, in doing that. Now, Carstensen says there are local food initiatives that may be the new rational ways to take care of ourselves in southeast Alaska. In Juneau, I'm Yvonne Cremery. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News. And now taking a look at the weather for Sitka for today, Wednesday, April 19th, 2023. Today, scattered showers and thunderstorms after 2 p.m., Increasing clouds with a high near 49. Northeast wind around 10 miles per hour. Chance of precipitation is 50%. Tonight, scattered showers and thunderstorms before 8 p.m. Then isolated showers between 8 p.m. and 11 p.m. Mostly cloudy with a low around 40. East wind 10 to 15 miles per hour. Chance of precipitation is 30%. You're tuned in to your community radio station, Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Good morning. This 